Have you been thinking about wanting to start your own podcast? When I was trying to get the Evan Witt show off the ground, trying to find where to go, I had a lot of questions and trying to figure it out. And Anchor was the place to go. Easy to start, easy to use, and it's free. And you can get your podcast heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other great places that people like to listen. The answer, again, is Anchor. And I love using Anchor as it's extremely easy and simple and free to use. If you want to join me with Anchor on your podcast, then go to anchor.fm slash start and join me and the diverse community of all the podcasters that Anchor has to offer. I enjoy and cannot wait to start hearing your first podcast. That's anchor.fm slash start. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Evan Metallison Show. It is Tuesday. January 14th, and this is the NFC Championship Game edition of the Evan Vitalis and Schultz, the Green Bay Packers in the NFC Championship Game coming up after defeating the Seattle Seahawks in Green Bay, Wisconsin on Sunday, 28-23, and it is off to another round of action against the San Francisco 49ers. The last time the 49ers and the Packers played, things obviously did not go as planned as the 49ers kind of took it to the Packers a little bit. They uh, punched the Packers in the mouth repeatedly, and the Packers had no answer whatsoever. So I know the question is going to be, how is it going to be different this time? What's what's changed? Uh, or is it going to be more of the same from the last game? And I'm going to get into that in a little bit. I'm also going to talk a little bit Packers-Seahawks. Um, Talk about the, you know, the, the the main reasons why the Packers won that game and why I think that could transfer over to the 49er game and why the Packers could also win that game too. And you're going to talk to Major League Baseball. Some big news coming out with the Houston Astros. Their GM and manager originally suspended for the year, later fired by the owner in the sign stealing um, scandal. That former pitcher of the Astros, now the Oakland Athletics, Mike Fires brought to light. And Alex uh, Cora, the uh, manager, not Alex Cora, I'm sorry. Name escapes me at this very moment. The Red Sox manager, he ends up getting fired uh, as, yep, Alex Cora was correct. Uh, he ends up getting fired as he is also implicated in that scandal. And before baseball, who is now investigating the Boston Red Sox before they come to their conclusion they moved on from Cora because they thought it was best interest all the way around for that to happen. So I'm going to give my thoughts a little bit about that scandal and I'm also going to talk a little bit about um, <clears throat> and I'm going to talk a little bit about the uh, I, I guess the big picture of it because I honestly don't think the Astros are the only team doing it. I think it's similar to what we saw in New England uh during the Deflate Gate and the Spy Gate. It's something that a lot of teams were doing, but the Astros had to take a fall. Um, and, you know, teams need to do a better job of, I guess, protecting their signs too. So, um, talk the AFC Championship game is set up with the Chiefs and the Titans, and what chances do I see the Titans winning that game? I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And then Giannis. Milwaukee Bucks MVP All-Star uh, forward. Um, a lot of talk in the media. 
lot of talk in the national media about why he should leave Milwaukee. And I'm going to rant on that a little bit because I, I, I'm getting kind of tired of it. So with that said, I want to thank you all for spending some time listening to the Evan Wittalison show, the Evan Wittalison podcast. And this show is presented to you by Flex Gym in Racine, right across the street from Horlick High School on Rapid Drive. If you are in the Racine or Kenosha area, and like a lot of people this time of year, you're looking to make better decisions for yourself, make some lifestyle changes, go to the gym, um, but you don't really know where to start. Well, that's where Flex Fitness has has an upper hand because if you go to a chain gym, you see they're advertised on TV all the time, you walk in the door, typically you're on your own. You're just another number to the the people that run these uh, these big, huge gyms. But with Flex Gym, you're going to be treated well. You're going to be, if you have any questions, any concerns, if you have anything you need some help with, the staff there will help you. They have personal training staff. They have um, uh, trained masseuse. They, they have a lot of different services. They, they got people that can talk to you about nutrition. They just have a lot of people, uh, great staff. They have a number of staff on hand that is there to help you learn and reach your goals. That's what they want to do. They're, you're not just another body to them. You're not just another number. You are a member of their of their gym family, and they want to make you feel like it, and they want to treat you like it. So check it out, Flex Gym. If you're in southeastern Wisconsin, check it out, Flex Gym, Rapids Drive in Racine. And I love the gym. I love the I like the staff. I like the, the people that also work out there. They they make you feel welcome. And that's one of the things I do really like about it. So check it out. So with that said, got to move on to a couple topics of the show. First thing I'm going to talk about is Giannis. Giannis Antetokounmpo. First of all, the Bucks are on pace for 70 wins. They just... Well, they were beating the New York Knicks tonight. The last I saw, I haven't seen a final that score is final yet, but they were up by by thirty when I last saw it. But the the Bucks are cruising along; they're on pace for seventy. And I guess I if you, for those listening, I want to get your thoughts. Do the Bucks win seventy games this year? They're up one twenty one ninety four right now. Giannis is dominating once again. Um, he has. 37 points in 21 minutes on the night, and nine rebounds, four assists, and just 21 minutes. That that's just incredible to me. The things he's able to do with the basketball in that short amount of time, and he went three from five from the three-point line. You know, three-point shot is something that a lot of most people didn't think he could ever do, and he's been hitting that three-point shot pretty consistently this year. And the Bucks are, like I said, on pace for 70 wins. Do they win 70? I don't think so. I think as we get the number one seed clinch for the Bucks, I think then you're going to see more load management stuff, um, guys sitting out more, guys playing less minutes, and once we get past the All-Star break, you're going to see more from Bud um, working you know, on things to keep this team fresh for the playoffs, which you already get a, pretty much a good chance to do now. As, like I said, Giannis played 21 minutes tonight, and he had 37 points. He doesn't play a lot of minutes, but he's making every minute count. 
I think you might see him sit out more games once we get to the second half of the year to try to keep him healthy and fresh. And I think this Bucks team is primed to do some damage in the playoffs. Do they win 70? Again, I don't know. I don't think so. But I won't be surprised if they do. Now, with Giannis, um, I'm kind of getting tired of the treatment he is getting in the national media and the treatment that Milwaukee is getting in the national media. Stephen A. Smith today was doing a Q&A, and he was asked a question about Giannis, and he made the comment that Giannis deserves to play in a bigger market. A talent of Giannis deserves to be in a bigger market. That is pretty much what he said. And he's adamant that he wants to see Giannis in a Golden State, surrounded by Curry and Thompson. Um, but I, I get irritated with that. Giannis has given no indication that he has any plans to leave Milwaukee. Everything he ever says is positive about the city of Milwaukee. He loves Milwaukee. He has a home in Milwaukee. He has a, a girlfriend who's pregnant in Milwaukee. His brother plays basketball in Milwaukee. His youngest brother plays high school basketball in Milwaukee. He's given no indication that he has any intentions of ever leaving. He doesn't want to. He, he's not your typical superstar. He's not a ring chaser. He wants to bring a title to Milwaukee. He wants to win a title with Milwaukee. And I, I'm kind of getting tired of it seeming like the national media and the NBA is doing everything they can to get him out of Milwaukee. They keep asking about where he's going to go when his contract's up. Are the Bucks doing enough to keep him in Milwaukee? Um, does he want to go to L.A.? Does he want to go to New York? But they never listen to him. And, you know, maybe it's it's word service from Giannis. We've seen athletes do it before. LeBron James loved Cleveland, and he left. So we see players leave, but I just have my a gut feeling that Giannis isn't going anywhere, and it won't be by choice. It'll, it'll be because the NBA decides to try to pull a power trip. But the NBA, and what I mean by that is they find the Bucks for tampering. The Milwaukee Bucks, they... Their, I, I remember if it was a general manager or their owner, they commented that, yeah, they're going to offer Giannis a Supermax. They plan to. They're going to. And then the Bucks get fined for tampering. We're talking about their own guy. They weren't talking about Anthony Davis. They weren't talking about Chris Paul. They were talking about a guy that they pay, a guy under contract with the Milwaukee Bucks, and they find the Bucks for tampering. To me, that was just ridiculous. I don't understand why they find the Bucks for tampering, talking about their own guy. And then you see national media spending segments upon segments talking about where's Giannis going once his contract's up in Milwaukee. I get Giannis is a special talent, and the NBA thinks you need to have these special talents and big markets. But why can't a market like Milwaukee have Giannis? Why can't the market like Milwaukee win a championship with Giannis? Giannis loves Milwaukee, and I honestly don't think he goes anywhere. And if he ends up leaving, I'll be proven wrong. But I'm just tired of the national media talking about that he needs to go. So, moving on, Major League Baseball, um, the Houston Astros, in this 
uh, cheating scandal of stealing signs, using technology to steal signs. And the, um, the Major League Baseball decided to set an example with Houston. Now, Boston's currently being investigated, and I see that there's other teams that have allegedly done it in the past, and it's probably something most teams in baseball has done. Um, Houston just got caught, and Houston's paying the price. And baseball is sending a message to the rest of Major League Baseball through Houston that you, you have to knock it off. You cannot do this anymore. Boston got fined a while back with using an Apple Watch to try to use technology for sign stealing. But now you have this. We had cameras set up, monitors in the, in the clubhouse, and then different ways to identify signs and whatnot. Baseball is just basically saying that teams need to knock it off. Was the penalty severe enough? Well, no players got punished. From what I've been reading, it was most of the players, a player, a bench coach and player thing that the manager just didn't put a stop to. So now he had to, he had to fall. The GM had to fall because he's the GM. I don't know if he had any knowledge of this scheme beforehand. So Houston keeps their World Series titles. They just need to hire a new manager, a new general manager, and they lose draft picks and they get fined five million. I think the draft picks are going to hurt. They may not hurt initially, but when you're a team like Houston, where you're competing for division titles and championships, that way you're set up right now year after year, though those first-round picks can come in handy when you decide you want to trade for, let's say, a Justin Verlander. You draft this, you know, this first-round pick, and you develop him for a couple of years, you have a hole in your rotation, you can uh, use that person, that guy, as... The foundation to trade for a pitcher of a Justin Verlander or a Zach Greinke type pitcher. Now you lose that ability. And I know a lot of people I know were downplaying the significance of losing the draft picks, but I look at it from that perspective. You lost potential trade pieces to keep this team winning year after year. Um, so we don't. I don't know when Houston's going to feel the effects from those. Probably won't be this year or next year, but probably the next couple years, they'll start feeling the effects of losing first and second round picks when they can't, you know, use them for trades. And the fine doesn't really hurt the owner. He's a billionaire. What's $5 million to him? He's probably pissed he has to fork it out. Hence, he fired the coach and the, the general manager. But what's $5 million for a billion-dollar owner? So... I think the punishments, initial punishments, are probably fine. Um, I'm in the minority that I didn't really see it as that big of a deal. Every team tries to steal signs. Houston just was really good at it, and they won a World Series doing it. But do a better job of disguising your signs. Like, you know, baseball has been a year for hundreds of years, and run around for hundreds of years, and you've had... Signs like this, part of the game, for a very long time. And you'd think guys and teams would figure out different ways to sink, send things in and disguise things and utilize things to, in order to, in order to uh, get these calls and these signs in. Get better, do a better job of doing it. But... As I said, I'm sure a lot of teams are doing the same thing. Houston just got caught, and now they got to pay the price. 
I don't I, I don't think it's going to take away from Houston's World Series. The fans are still going to celebrate that they're champions. They ain't going to care. It's just going to be fans from around baseball. Like, are, are one's going to be upset. Kind of like the whole when you have a guy get accused of using steroids. The fans of the team still love him. The fans everybody else, everywhere else, hates them. That's pretty much what you're going to see from Houston. The rest of the base, rest of the other fans in baseball are going to boo them and hate them, even though their own teams are probably doing the same thing. And Houston's still going to love their team. But it will be curious to see which direction the owner goes for manager and general manager. That's going to be very interesting to me. So with that, time to talk some football. The Green Bay Packers, 13-3 and regular season, accused of being frauds all season long. The worst 13-3 and team ever. They don't deserve a first-round bye. It should have been uh, the Saints getting the first-round bye instead of Green Bay. Packers backed their way into that. Those are a lot of things that I saw on social media and uh, in the media in general talking about Green Bay. Packers are supposed to lose to Seattle. Well, guess what? They beat Seattle 28-23. They jumped out to a 21-3 lead at halftime. And even with Seattle threatening in the second half, they were able to hold on for a win. And the Packers' offense, to me, looked pretty good. Rodgers looked sharp. Rodgers' throws looked really strong. He looked like he was on his game. Even his 40-yard touchdown strike to Devontae Adams, it was an off throw, but it was still made, and it still went for a touchdown. Jimmy Graham had a strong game. Um, The offensive line played great. Um, right tackle is a backup, and uh, he played well. He played really a great uh, uh, pickup late in the se- uh, later in the season. Who they picked up after the 49er game, and you know the Packers lost Bulaga in that first game against the 49ers due to a knee injury, and they just couldn't recover. And the 49ers dominated up front, but Jared Velda here. Velder here, he stepped in and he played really well. Placey Bulaga on Sunday, who was out ill. And in the final game against Detroit, he played extremely well when Bulaga left a concussion. And that's, to me, going to be one of the X factors. Rodgers had time to throw. He felt comfortable. He took advantage of what the defense gave him, and he made plays. And his throw to Devontae Adams on third and eight in the fourth quarter when they were trying to seal the game, just an amazing throw. Amazing catch, and then you have the play to Jimmy Graham, which that was a first down. Like a lot of people are pointing to the yellow line, saying he was about half yard short of that yellow line. But if you look at it, there's you you look at the sideline, you see the the orange where you have the stick, and they had a pie line with the stick with the camera. And then about a half yard beyond that, you have the yellow line. The yellow line is not official. It's, it's not an official spot. The official spot is where that chain is. You know, the officials on TV, they don't even see the line, obviously, because it's for television viewers. They don't see the line at all. They base it off the sticks, and their view of the sticks is he gained enough to get the first down. They checked every replay available. They even found angles available they didn't even know they had, and they checked that, and the evidence still showed that Jimmy Graham got enough for the first down. I get Seattle fans are mad, 
But like I said, the yellow line is not official. As an official, me, I, I, I don't go by a yellow line to determine the spot of the ball. I spot the ball. I look at the sticks. Look where the ball is. Is the ball past the stick? Yes. Okay, it's a first down. The 49ers didn't ask for a measurement. They didn't ask for one. The officials didn't feel they needed one. And the 49ers didn't ask for one. So, I mean, not the 49ers. The Seahawks didn't ask for one. I apologize. Packer, you know, the officials didn't think they needed one. The Seahawks didn't ask for one. They, they took it. They figured the Seahawks figured the replay officials would take a look at it and respot the ball, and the Packers won't have the first down. But based off what... Based off where the the down marker was and where Jimmy Graham went down, that was a first down. And I'm not saying that as a homer. I'm saying that as someone who's an official, someone who studies the rule book, somebody who has had to spot the ball and make that determination, did he get enough, did he gain enough yards for that first down? I've had to make that decision before. Without the benefit of instant replay, I've had to make that decision before. And from my angle, from what I saw, he had the first down. And again, nothing to do with me being a Packer fan. If it was the other way around, I would say the same thing. And just an example of, you know, why, you know, I should I should be trusted on saying this. I completely understand the officials' viewpoint on the Seahawks' first or second play of the game when they fumbled the ball and the officials wrote him down. And then he decided that possession of the ball could not be determined. The thing is, they, they were looking at possession of the ball when the ball came out there. They weren't watching beyond when the scrum happened. Because they wrote it down by contact on the field. So once they wrote it down by contact on the field, the officials weren't really paying attention to who had the ball at that point. They were trying to separate the teams and get them off the pile and get them back to their respective huddles. That's what they were doing. So now when they look at it under replay, now they're watching to try to see if there's conclusive evidence on who possessed the ball. But when the pile started up, it was hard to tell who had the ball. Yes, Chandler Sullivan came out of the pile with the ball, but it was hard to tell if he actually did, in fact, have the ball. So Packers, even though, yes, they technically won the challenge, they technically lost because they didn't get possession of the ball. So there you go. I, I agree with the – I understand what the officials on that one. But the, the Packers' offense, to me, looked like the offense Matt LaFleur has wanted to run all year. And I don't know if he is feeling more comfortable running certain things or if he just figures, what the hey, it's the playoffs, there's no tomorrow, even though we didn't run it this season because I didn't feel comfortable with it, I'm going to do it anyways because, hell, it's the playoffs. And now we're two games away from the Super Bowl. Now we're a game away from the Super Bowl. So I don't know what it is, but the offense just looked to be more in sync. But now we get the 49ers again. Last time the Packers played the 49ers, we had articles like this from the Ringer, that stated that the Packers looked like a team exposed, as the Packers just got completely manhandled by the 49ers. Um, but there were a lot of a lot of problems the Packers had that just completely hurt them. The first one was the 15 yard this unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on Devontae Adams. 
on the second play of the game, went for a first down. They called the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on him, and that com- I think that completely started the whole downward spiral. Then the Packers fumbled the ball. 49ers recover inside the five-yard line. They score a touchdown. Boom, you're down 7 nothing. But Ryan Bulaga goes down with a knee injury. Boom. Now you have Alex Light, who probably a great guy, but he's not ready to play that role against a guy like Nick Bosa. He, he, he's just not ready to play that role. And it, it showed. And the, pack, the Packers' offensive line got dominated the remainder of that game. It's after Bulaga went out. You have a healthy offensive line. You have a backup right tackle that looks more than ready to step in if needed. And the Packers' offensive line should play much better. And they've played some great football during since this 49er game. They've been on a winning streak, and they've played some really good football up front. Especially, you know, go back to the Monday night game against the Vikings. The Packers dominated that game at the line of scrimmage. And the Vikings didn't stand a chance. Could the Packers do the same in this game? Possibly. I, I think they can. The 49ers front is really good, but I think the Packers O-line is really good too. And if you can give Aaron Rodgers time to throw, there's no telling, there's no reason why he shouldn't be able to pick apart this 49ers secondary. Another reason I think the Packers can win this game because they already saw the 49ers once before. They, they, they know the speed the 49ers have. They know the... You know, what kind of things the 49ers like to do defensively. They know what kind of things they like to do offensively because they saw them firsthand. You have 16, 17 weeks of film to watch on them, and you have an idea what they like doing. You can better, you be better prepared for it. You're ready for their speed, and you can throw things at them that they're not ready for, possibly. Jimmy Garoppolo is not a great quarterback, in my opinion. He's inconsistent. And you don't know which Jimmy Garoppolo you're going to get. Are you going to get the Jimmy Garoppolo that struggled against Minnesota last week? Or are you going to get the Jimmy Garoppolo that picked apart Cleveland's defense earlier in the year? This is his first ever NFC Championship game uh, as a starter. That could have some effect on him. I remember Brett Favre back in 95, his first ever NFC Championship game as a starting quarterback of the Packers. Early in that game, he was very erratic with the football. It took him a while to settle down. Could we see the same from Jimmy G? Rodgers has been here before. He was here in 2016. He was here in 2014. He was here in 2010. He's been here before. He knows what it's like to play on the road in an NFC championship game. I don't think you can take that away. I don't think you can uh, downplay that. I think you've got to take that into consideration. Kenny Clark's been playing much better football as of late. He's been playing dominating football. And he as he goes, the front seven goes. If he plays a dominating game, the Packers front seven plays better. If he struggles, they struggle to stop the run. The big question marks is how are you going to stop Kittle? Um, Kittle's big catch and run for a touchdown was off a broken coverage. The two safeties got sucked inside. Uh to what was going on down by the line of scrimmage, and Kevin King had to try to play catch-up because Kevin King does his job. He passes Kittle off into the zone, and all of a sudden, oh, crap, and now he's got to try to stop Kittle. 
I think the Packers are going to be better prepared. They're going to be a lot better prepared this go-around in Santa Clara. You do have two coaches that have never been to this point before as head coaches. I think the Packers win for one reason. They have Aaron Rodgers. I think his experience as quarterback is going to be enough for the Packers to pull off the win. And you also have Devontae Adams, who's been on a complete tear since that game in San Francisco. He's gotten touchdown catches in six straight games, including two and uh, eight for 160 and two touchdowns against Seattle in the NFC Championship game. They're finding ways to get Aaron Jones more involved with Devontae. Why Devontae is on. And I just see a team that I think is going to have better opportunities to move the football. And I think you get some pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo, force him to throw some interceptions. And I think he'll be fine. And I think the Packers win this game. I think they steal one. I think they win this game. And I think the Packers are going to Miami. I think it would be a close game, probably 24-21-2017. But I think the Packers pull off the victory. So, with that said, um, last comment I want to make, Luke Keekley, all-pro linebacker, uh, Carolina Panthers, decided to retire today. Uh, Wish him well in his future endeavors. I was a big fan of watching him play. And I was watching the video that the Carolina Panthers uh, put out on Twitter with him making his announcement. And it was very hard to watch because you saw a guy who still wanted to play. You saw a guy who still wanted to be on the field, still playing the game of football, but he doesn't think he can anymore. And you know he still loves the game, but he just doesn't feel his body could do it anymore. And he's, I think, looking more long-term for his health so so best of luck to him I, I you know I hope he finds success outside of uh, playing football maybe as a coach or a commentator or something um, but with that thanks for listening you can follow me on Twitter at Evan with sports you can email me coach Evan 66 at gmail.com if you have any comments or questions on anything I said today including Joining up with Flex Jim of Racine for uh, Meet Your Fitness Goals for 2020. You can also reach out to me and I can give you some tips and advice on that avenue as well on my own. Um, I use Flex Gym. Um, I think you'll love it. And I'll talk to you about my personal experiences there as well too. So with that said, thanks for listening and I will get back at you later. Hopefully a Packers Super Bowl bound edition of the Evan with Allison podcast. Have a good rest of your day, everybody.